0: You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a show for women who are chasing their everyday and epic adventures. This podcast is hosted by Christy Moan and me, Catherine Taylor, and powered by Feisty Media.
1: I was already thinking it, Catherine. I was already (laughs) thinking it. I was like, we've got a schedule. You've got a party to go we, to tonight. We have a schedule. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Cause we're so like that.
1: Uh, you got, a party. <laughs> you got a party. Oh yeah. My, my little brother is, uh, it's his birthday. So we're having a little get together for him. So fun. Uh, I, I don't, there's good food. There's always good food. So that's good. Like I don't have to think about dinner, which is nice. Um, yeah, it'll be fun. I mean, and it's a birthday.
0: Yeah. Birthdays
1: are always good.
0: Birthdays are so. always
1: fun to celebrate. Um, I actually rode my bike this past weekend.
0: I'm very proud of myself. Yay. Yeah, yeah I awesome. got to go ride on um Joint Base Lewis McCord, which was really cool. Because you don't like the guy that was my gym, uh, he he and his wife live on the campgrounds. So they just oh, move and forth nice. from campgrounds. Yeah. So, uh, I went out, he just got a gravel bike. He's been asking me a lot of questions. So we went and rode and he found like the sloop. It was gorgeous. It's like a kind of dreary fall day out here, like rainy. And at one point we're driving or riding and a bald Eagle, I'm not kidding. Swooped like 10 feet in front of us. Oh, out into the water.
1: Um, but it's did you it like, was, start singing the national anthem or something. But <laughs> he's like,
0: you know, I mean, they're pretty common out here. Right. So yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. It was funny to be on a military base and a bald eagle <laughs> swoop by you on your ride.
1: That's hilarious. But the other it. nice
0: thing is it's all controlled traffic. So there was like, I didn't see a single car, even when we were on the roads. Like That's not glorious. It was amazing. <laughs> so nice. If you can get onto a military
1: base and ride, I highly recommend Do it. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I had a long run scheduled and it poured rain you know, it's that fun. It's fun at first when it starts kind of raining on you on a big, long run. You're like, Oh, this is nice. This is kind of fun. This is nice. I like this. And then it just kept picking up and the lightning started and the thunder started and it was the traffic driving by could not help, but splash me. I like, I looked like a drowned rat and everything was pruned. You know, like my fingers looked like I've been sitting in the bathtub for way too long. So with like three miles left, I finally called Tim and I was like, I come get me I'm done <laughs> I, can't, I, you. I, I can't keep this up so
0: yeah, I don't blame you so, yeah it had I, gone
1: from being fun to being like literally like uh, the, yeah the car was completely soaked when I got out of it yeah so, the, so this friend of mine he like he's one of those like hard-ass guys he's
0: gonna be a really good writer but um he just started writing so he um he's good. like a bunch of us are going to do work with Becca's private Idaho next year. And so mm-hmm. I just, like, said, you should come do this with us. So then he was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the hundred mile. That's and perfect. so he, um, so now he's like, I got to train for it. I'm like, well, it's kind of a far, long way away, but it is good to get. So he's like, I got to train in the rain because the, you never know what the weather's going to be like. I'm like, well, your fourth train, right not a now. bad idea. He's just, he's just very hardcore. Yeah. Like, he's stoked. You know, like, and so I was like, well, I mean, we live in Washington state. You're going to have all winter to ride in the rain.
1: <laughs> you are not going to have to worry about that. You're not-
0: <laughs> so we did like, this was, it was going to be three loops and we did one and I was like, oh, I've been on the saddle a long time. I think I'll be happy with myself. If I like stop after one loop to like ease myself back in. And, um, he's like, I'm going back out. And I sat and talked to his wife for a while. And then it started pouring like from putting the bike on the car, I was soaked and freezing. Soaked. I was like, I made the right choice. I so made the right choice. That's awesome. I,
1: was
0: like, I built those mental toughness skills years ago.
1: They'll come back. <laughs> I don't need the them muscles today. There. I just <laughs> don't need them today. That's awesome.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. But today's guest knows a little
1: bit about riding in the rain. She does. <laughs> she does. She had an epic an epic day at unbound this year. So um, and it was super exciting to see her roll across the finish line. And um, I know like her teammates were over the moon excited, which was also there's not. I don't think there's anything better than seeing women that are that excited about another woman finishing just like the pure joy of it was, was really fun to watch the yeah. happiness for her. So
0: yeah, so we have Sarah Lane on today and she is uh she finished fifth at Unbound. Mm-hmm. Um, which if you don't know, you don't remember, it was very, very rainy at the finish line. It was <laughs>
1: everything at Unbound. <laughs> it was like hot, it was <laughs> it yeah. was hot, it was windy, it was rainy, it was muddy, it was like Kansas was like, Kansas was like, hey, you want to see what we got? Let's do it all in the next yep, 12 hours.
0: <laughs> but the finish line, in particular for the top women was yes, very rainy. It was wet.
1: Yeah.
0: So, yeah. Anyway, well, we'll get on to our interview with Sarah. One of the most frustrating things about going to big gravel races in the last 2 years is I have been getting sick pretty much every time I travel. And I travel about once a month for work or to a big gravel event or something related. And it's so frustrating when I get there and I can already feel the sore throat and the cold coming on, and it really takes me out for several weeks. And that's why I'm excited about our new podcast sponsor, Prevanex. We've worked with Prevanex within our feisty brands for a long time. If you listen to Hit Play Not Pause, you've heard about joint support. Um, You've also heard about their great protein powder, but I am really obsessed with this product called Immune Health Plus. It has helped me go from getting sick every time I travel to I have not been sick one time this year. And, and I've also been on the road a good bit already this year. So it has everything that you need for immune health support, and it's way better than anything you're going to find in a grocery store or health food store. It's supercharged with immune-boosting ingredients like elderberry fruit, extract, zinc, vitamin D, vitamin C, and calcium. Now, if you want to stay healthy through your race season this year... You're going to use the code girls gone gravel for 15% off your first purchase of immune health plus or any of their other products. That's girls gone gravel for 15% off of your purchase. And you go to Prevanex.com. You can find that in the show notes. If you're tired of those gross plastic water bottles that kind of get funky after a few uses, then our new podcast sponsor is definitely somebody you should check out. Bevo is a performance hydration company with sophisticated metal water bottles designed for cycling. That means they fit in any bike cage and their patented gravity flow technology makes it easy to drink with no need to squeeze. They also, if you get the insulated version, will keep your water cold for 12 plus hours. They have a silicone mouthpiece, which makes it really easy to open when you're riding. And like they said, the water just flows. It's really easy to use. Bevo offers both insulated and non-insulated bottles, and the advantage of those metal water, water bottles and that silicone mouthpiece is that they're not gonna get funky or gross. They're easy to clean in the dishwasher. You can try Bevo water bottles for yourself by going to drinkbivo. that's B-I-V-O dot com, and use the code DRINK underscore FEISTY, all caps, for free ground and US shipping. If you're looking for a bag to power your epic adventures, look no further than women-led brand Fierce Hazel. I love their bags and that they are all functional, which means they're lightweight, durable, and rainproof, which is very important. They are sustainable, all are made of upcycled or recycled or responsibly sourced materials. And they're made in California with unique designs. Some of the bags that I'm loving are their handlebar and saddle bags from their True Grit line that make it easy to carry everything and they're very lightweight Uh, and they're Echelon pouches. I have had so many Ziploc bags shoved into things everywhere and these pouches just make it really easy to carry everything um, in one seamless pouch. You can go over to fiercehazel.com slash discounts slash girls gone gravel and use the code girls gone gravel to get 30% off your purchase at checkout.
1: okay poor
0: Sarah she's like what the hell is going on (laughs) what are they doing I haven't done that to Christine a long time actually I
1: know I'm like a little out of practice I didn't know who was starting so and I I shouldn't be out of practice we just did this I (laughs) do hi Catherine (laughs) (laughs) so Sarah I'm sorry sorry to know what's going on I used to
0: always like just wait until Christy if Christy would start the podcast as a joke because she didn't like to start it
1: yeah, she thinks it's funny. And I just haven't done it in a long time.
2: <laughs> Playing some mind games on each other,
1: huh? Yeah, <laughs> like just making sure it's real. It's like, we're like becoming this old married couple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: but you know what buttons
0: to poke with each other? Yes, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> like
1: we talk every week
0: for three years. <laughs> <laughs> we do, love it. Yeah. Yeah, but it's always fun to meet a new friend. And I don't think Yay. we either one of us had like, like we've seen you in real life, but not officially met you. So we have Sarah Lane on today. Oh, shoot. Now I said it wrong. Lane on today. <laughs> I knew I was going to do it. That's funny. Um, now, you know, all of our inside jokes, Sarah, I can't say <laughs> people's names and I mess with Christy. <laughs>
1: well, now I just well, feel like one of the friends so <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You're just perfect. And, and I've already hugged you before. I don't even know if you remember that, but I no. have at the, to at the unbound finish line. So ah, There we go.
2: I was maybe a little out of it at that you point. You were a little out of it. Poster. And you also
1: had a, you had a huge cheering section there, like ready to just celebrate the heck out of your, out of your day that day. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah you might've had of the top five women, the biggest cheer section at the finish line.
2: Uh, <laughs> pretty lucky to have quite the squad there.
0: <laughs> so if folks don't know uh sarah has been, is a writer for Velocio explorer and she um we'll get into your story but you finished fifth at unbound this year and kind of like maybe it wasn't a surprise for you because you know what you've been doing in training but a little bit of a surprise for everyone else when you crossed the finish line and people were like who is this and so um and i was back with the media and people were like who's this coming in fifth and so we were all chatting about who you were so so now we're going to talk to everybody about who or to you about who you are, but, um, we always just like to get started. Just like, tell us how you got onto a bike.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I came into the gravel scene, I think like a lot of, uh, riders more from another sport. So I was mainly a runner growing up, ran in college, um, dealt with a lot of running, running injuries as many run runners do. And kind of found myself on the bike, um, after a series of running injuries and, kind of started to fall in love with it um and spend more time on the bike I think also realized I could be a little bit more stupid with my training biking um, <laughs> you don't get as many stress fractures as it turns out uh, biking as you can do running um and then uh was also kind of dating someone who was really into the cycling uh, scene and he kind of got me hooked and built me up a bike and fell in love with it
1: did you fall in love with him <laughs> or <just the> bike? <laughs> I, uh, I, I did not he's no longer in the picture So, but the bike stayed
0: so there you go
2: I still have I still have the bike I haven't been able I haven't <laughs> had have the heart to get rid of it so
0: it's <laughs> amazing and how awesome. were you did you come into the road scene first or did you go straight into gravel
2: straight into gravel and it was
0: really during
2: the pandemic so sort of summer of 2020 where there wasn't any racing going on and so it was sort of um just the two of us riding around and then with a couple of friends and it wasn't until the summer of 2021 as some races started to come back on the calendar that I did sort of my first ever bike race or event and thought okay maybe I'm okay at this Um, and then since then it's sort of been okay what can I do next what can I do do next? Um, and mostly more in just this new England area first. And this is really the first year that I've done any racing outside of new England. Like first time flying with a bike on a plane, which is a whole new experience. (laughs) Um, So it's sort of been a, a whirlwind, um, this year of figuring out all these other
1: pieces to bike racing that I had no idea existed. Well, you're having really good success with it. Um, how did you get introduced with, with the Velocio Exploro team? My
2: uh, younger sister actually sent me an application for the team and was like, you should apply for this. I'll help you. I'll help you do it, um, which was pretty cool that she was uh, knew that I had been really into the riding, wanted to see me kind of take it further than what I had been doing. Um, and then I also knew uh, Meg Owens. So she lives not too far from me, only about an hour away. She's one of the riders on the team. And so I knew of her and kind of knew about the team through through Megan, it seemed kind of like a awesome group of ladies mm-hmm. who I wanted
0: to get to know more. So this is your first year on the team. This is my first year on the team. Yeah. Oh, okay. And you, so you went from training solo to a team. What's that been like?
2: Um. So having the knowledge, like the collective knowledge of the, the team is so great yeah. to learn from bounce ideas off of, I mean, mid South was our first team camp when I first met everyone. And I was showing up on a bike that I'd never ridden, uh, had never flown with a bike. And I was like, I don't know how to pack and unpack any of this. Um, and they kind of helped guide me through all of it. So I feel very well supported, um, in that regard, but a lot of my riding is still solo, like our team, you know, we're we're all over the country. So I think from that sort of training perspective, it hasn't changed that piece as much.
0: Are you up in Vermont as well? Are yes. you part of that?
2: I'm in um, New Hampshire, but about two miles away from the Vermont border. <laughs> I really Those like to all one claim, state in my mind. claim my identity as a Vermonter. So I feel like Vermont and New Hampshire have this beef with each other and I have my Vermont fried. So even though I live in New Hampshire, I still like to claim that I'm a Vermonter. Well,
1: that's
0: So you're originally from Vermont. then? So. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think it was Leah Davison, do you like do you yeah. race again? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause she came up to me at at the unbound finish line. And she's like, that does not surprise me. So yeah, so we really cool. um I've I haven't actually like
2: been able to talk to her that much, but I did come up to her the day before unbound. Um, but we've gone back and forth on a couple segments in the area on Strava. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> um and then her old coach, um, Andy Bishop lives right down the road from me and I do a lot of riding with him. So we've kind of talked about each other and talked about, um, linking up for a ride, but
1: haven't done it, done it yet. That's awesome. Yeah. That way it was really cute. And she was like, yeah, that does not surprise me at all. She's yeah, been she told- giving me a run for my money or something
0: like
2: that <laughs> is what she said. So, yeah, she told me I was going to be her, uh, dark horse pick for Unbound.
0: So, and you, you did well, <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then you also work
2: full-time still, right? I do. Yeah. So I work as a dietitian at a hospital, um, here in New Hampshire. Um, and I see, uh, bariatric surgery patients. So I see patients before and after, um, weight loss surgery. So it's kind of like a very specific type of nutrition that I work in currently.
0: Did you go to school specifically for that? Or was it something you were like, Oh, this is interesting.
2: Uh, so I went to school, I got my master's in, um, dietetics, and then you have to be a licensed dietitian. So I had to sit for like a national board exam to get the registered dietitian license. Um, but not specific for bariatric surgery, but it was sort of the first, um, job that I got out of graduating from my master's and I've learned a ton from it. It's a really interesting area. I was going to say, that's gotta be interesting. There's all sorts of like micronutrients and vitamin deficiencies that can happen after surgery. There's all sorts of um, anatomical changes. And then also just from a psychological perspective, um, there's a huge sort of psych component, history of trauma in a lot of patients. And then it's also a population yeah. that I think has been really you know stigmatized by the healthcare system. So it's a really rewarding group of people to work with.
0: Yeah. We had a woman, a friend of Christie's, Denisha, uh, mm-hmm. on, and she had had bariatric surgery, and she even talked about some of the challenges with training and like getting the proper nutrients when you're training.
2: Yeah, the clients that are interested in sports nutrition are like my all-time favorite to work with. I love talking to patients after surgery um, who are trying to get more into whether it's weightlifting, endurance athletics, and talking about how they kind of need to change things um, to help fuel whatever activities they want to do. That's so, really cool. They're my
1: favorite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so life-changing, like you said, like that's crazy.
2: Oh yeah. We have patients send us, you know, pictures of them skydiving or water skiing or doing these things that they never thought they could do uh, before, which is pretty cool. Yeah.
0: Well, you said you were a runner in college and now you're in cycling. So, you know, when you talked about being a dietitian, those are two sports that traditionally people underfuel. <laughs> Do you find being a dietitian has helped with that and help you understand like more of what you need? And absolutely.
2: Yeah. So I think, you know, part of the reason why I became a dietitian was sort of my own struggles with figuring out fueling in my in my running. So I very much struggled with an eating disorder during my running career. Um, and it took me several injuries to kind of figure out how to um Change things there. I worked with several dietitians, which were incredibly helpful through that process. And I think cycling has been hugely beneficial for me because I think I've seen my progress in the sport increase. The more I fueled, like there's been this very positive association between fueling better and my cycling performance. When I look back on when I first started riding the amount I would eat on a hundred mile ride now is a fraction of what I eat at this point. Um, so I think it's all kind of uh, interrelated for me, but I think having the nutrition knowledge has certainly helped me in my, in my cycling to figure out, okay, if I'm cramping, what should I change? If I'm having GI shoes, what should I change?
1: Um, so I think it's definitely an asset. I was just going uh, to just gonna say being teammates with Cynthia Frazier, <laughs> like she eats like a champ on the bike. So. <laughs> oh yeah. She, she doesn't need my help at all. She's got it down. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I definitely,
2: you know, I think I'm also learning all the things, you know, even being a dietitian, I feel like I'm learning all the things that everyone does kind of their first times racing. Like I didn't really follow my fueling plan the way I had wanted to at Unbound and chugged a Coke at one of the aid stations because it was there. And I never drink Coke on a training ride and ended up, you know, throwing up after that. So it's like, I can mess up my nutrition plan too. I think we have to learn those lessons just like everybody <laughs> Yeah. Just like everybody else.
0: Yeah. You don't know until you try it sometimes. <laughs> exactly. I do feel like the team, everybody I've met from the Velocio Explorer team has a very healthy relationship with food. Like, I'm always like, these women eat and fuel themselves. And I really appreciate that. And I don't know if that's part of the team culture or if it's just like the people I've been around.
2: I would say my experience so far is everyone um, has been that's kind of part of the team culture and people eat really well. And especially compared to um, looking back on some of my college teams in the running world, like you end up in these cultures where all the girls are these stereotypical stick thin runners eating nothing but salads at dinner and avoiding carbs and Uh. all the mistakes that we um, we make. And so it's really nice to be around
0: a team of people where you don't have that same thing going on. Yeah. I, when you said you had stress fractures, I was like, oh, I wonder if she had reds. Oh, definitely. Yes. <laughs> Which, if people don't know, that's relatively relative energy deficiency in sports. I think we've talked about it before on the podcast, but mm-hmm. it's can be quite dangerous. You can lose your period and um, end up with long term health consequences from it. So I'm glad that you caught that and have like turned things around.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me too. It's been a, a game changer. I think just both you know, obviously from a performance standpoint, but also like you're grumpy and hungry and tired and you're not your best. You're like, you're also just not your best self. Like you look back on it and you're like, I wasn't a fun person to be around. I was kind um, of a dick. Turns out when you're <laughs> yeah. hungry, you're an asshole.
1: Like, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, oh my God.
2: It's so true. Like, like my mental wellbeing is so much better being better fueled. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. That's my, that's my, anytime I'm, I'm being grumpy, that's Tim's first go-to. Would you eat a sandwich? <laughs>
2: <laughs> nah, it's a good good pulse check and a really good first, first place to start.
1: Just eat something. And then if I've just eaten, then I get really mad. I'm like, no, I'm not hungry. I'm mad. No, I'm actually angry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: That's I, good. Sarah, our CEO always talks about, um, cause she was a professional triathlete for years. And so She's like, now I do like very amateur CrossFit, but I, she's like, I find that, you know, at first I thought, oh, you don't have to eat the same because blah, blah. And I just don't feel as hungry as I did when I was doing all this. She's like, then I realized if I don't feel myself properly after a workout, then I don't have the energy to actually do the work that I need to do to build this company. So it is, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's not just if you're, you know, training a ton. It's also like, if you're training every day and you're trying to then get through the day and not be mad at your husband or your kids or do a big job or any of those things.
2: <laughs> totally. I think people don't realize like the brain is a muscle and it needs glucose and energy to work and do its tasks. And if you're not giving it what it needs, it's not going to perform well. It's not just about
0: the physical piece. Wow. Well, um, I know Unbound was a little bit a while ago, but um, it was an epic day. So it kind of, and it was a massive uh, women's field this year. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Talk us through your, a little bit through your day and how that, um, unfolded and how you, you know, you knew you were kind of riding up into that top, those top spots.
2: Yeah. Um, you kind of asked earlier if unbound was a surprise for me too. And it definitely, definitely was, I think I was sort of in my head thought if everything went perfectly, the stars align kind of day, maybe top 10 would be in the cards. Um, the, it was definitely not a perfect day. Lots of things went wrong. <laughs> um, but I had fortunately checked out that mud section early on the day before. So kind of on my pre-ride, um, experienced the peanut butter mud, um, the infamous peanut butter mud of Unbound 2023 that we all know now. Um, and learned that a paint stick was a thing that people carry on bike rides turns out. Um, so figured that, that out, fortunately the day, the day before, um, and was sort of mentally prepared for that section to be really bad. And that I was gonna have to be off my bike and running for a good bit of it. And so my goal was sort of just to get through that as quickly as possible, try to keep moving and try to get off of my bike before it gummed up with mud so much that the wheel stopped moving. So try to kind of get off early and get to the side and get in the grass. Um, And so when I came out of the, the mud section, I didn't really know where I was in the the women's field. I kind of found myself um near some other riders but wasn't really sure um where I was until probably mile 30 or 40 someone one of the photographers I knew said kind of I was in the top 10ish zone and I was like, "Oh, okay. I guess I I guess I got through that. Okay." Um and then I found myself near a couple other women who I knew, knew their names, like Haley Smith and Sarah Max. I was like, okay, this is a good, good spot to be. Um, I flatted before the first checkpoint. Um, so that was my first time ever flatting in a race. So I was a little bit panicked there. Um, but got through that and came into the first checkpoint with a good group, um, of, of women, like a pretty big group of men and women, um, and then lost that group coming out of the checkpoint. So it's interesting, kind of looking back. I don't know if you watched any of those videos of people's checkpoint changeovers. Like there was a video of, I think Sophia um with her vest, and she's like dropping her wrappers, and it's so incredibly speedy. And I'm like, oh, that's how they do it. Um, <laughs> so I think there was a lot of learning on kind of how to speed up your checkpoint transitions and what to do. I think, having never done this race before, you look back and you're like, I could have done so many things so differently. Um, but didn't have the speediest transition and kind of had to chase back on to that, that bigger group that I came into the first checkpoint with, um, and was able to catch them working with a a group of a couple men. It was probably, I was one woman and three or four men, and we were able to catch that big group again and we caught them and I was feeling like shockingly good. Um, this is after i had chugged the Coke and thrown up. So maybe the, maybe the Coke did help in, in the end. Cause I felt great afterwards. Um, And we caught the group and it was Sarah Sturm and Haley and a couple of the other um, really strong female riders. And one of the guys who I chased on with said, you know, says to me like, Sarah, you're riding stronger than these, these ladies. And I was like, no, 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 we got to stay with this group. We got to stay with the group. Um, and he goes, no, like, I think, I think we should go. Um, And so the two of us went off the front of that group and I was like, I can't believe that I'm doing this right now. What is happening? Um, And ended up kind of moving my way all the way uh, into the third place woman at one point. um, And was sort of like, how is this possibly happening? Pinch me kind of thing. Um, And came into the second checkpoint feeling phenomenal, even though it was like pouring rain, raining sideways. Coming into that checkpoint, everyone had like their uh, tent setups were like at half mass, like halfway down to shield them from the rain. So everything you walked in, you're like, what is happening here when you kind of come in to the, the checkpoint, um, but had kind of a good transition there, felt good and hit the uh, that mud again at mile, I think of like 170 ish mm-hmm. um, and was not at all mentally prepared to pull out the paint stick again. Thank God I kept it in my jersey pocket and didn't ditch it at one of the checkpoints. Um, cause the only part of the course that I had pre-ridden was that first kind of nine, 10 mile stretch. Um, so I didn't even know that this was kind of an element coming later in the course. Um, and I know that the conditions also changed throughout the day too, for people. Um, and Sarah and Danny both kind of passed me in the mud section and my heart kind of sank a little bit there. Um, but I ended up with the same guy, uh, who had kind of encouraged me to make a move on the group. And so the two of us rode in, uh, together and finished the race together, which was kind of nice. So he was my like race buddy for the day. That's awesome. Um, and I was, I was stoked on, on fifth place. Like I said, it, it was more than I kind of thought I was capable
1: of, um, so
2: it was a whirlwind.
1: Well, I mean, you're t- like, Sarah obviously is a cross badass. Like, so she's going to manage that mud. I mean, that's impressive, honestly, that you did so well. It was awesome. Gave me goosebumps hearing your story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fun.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm curious, like, do you, Um, and I, this is the just, Came into my head, so you may not have this at all. But was there any imposter syndrome coming into the race, or any like, like you said, when you're there, like, how am I up here with these women? And, and did that help grow your confidence, like getting that result, kind of, and like having somebody come along and say, no, you can do this, you know? Oh,
2: definitely. I think you know when that that guy Max was like, no, you're riding stronger than them. You should go. I was like, no, no, I shouldn't leave this this group of women. And we kind of sat on for a minute, and we kept gapping them. Um, a little bit as we would go up the hill. And he's like, no, you've got to go. Um, but I didn't really believe. And if it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't have yeah, ridden away from that group. Like I needed someone else to say, you can do this. And I think since now having that result, um, I feel more confident in my skills. And I kind of walked away from unbound I didn't even know what the Lifetime Grand Prix was until Unbound, um,
1: so I kind of <laughs> walked wow. away. I Don't, kind of like, can we cut that out, Catherine? Yeah. I might get fired. We, might need to, we might need to cut that. <laughs> um,
2: so I went back from Unbound and was like, what are the other events in this series? And found out that Crusher existed. And I was like, how do I get myself into this race? You know, a month from now, I didn't know this race existed, but I very much kind of wanted to test was unbound a flute. Cause I think part of me in my head still yeah. thought, you know, was this a flute performance? It was a crazy day out there with the conditions. Like maybe I just lucked out. Um, so in my head, I was like, I want to go do another one of these races where all these top ladies are and see if I can still have the same result. So. And I you think. did a lot crusher too, correct? I was ninth there. Yeah.
0: yeah Which, so again, a very strong field and a very different kind of course. So yeah. top 10 is I, fantastic. I
2: think like each of these races too,
0: you just again, like look back and
2: you're like, there's so many things I would have done yeah. differently. Like I carried four liters of fluid on me up that 5,000 foot climb. Oh and I was like, that was probably a terrible idea. I could have planned my hydration.
0: Um, yeah. There's better. a things you don't know until you do it. Right. <laughs>
2: exactly. It's such a learning curve. Um, and then, you know, I'd never ridden my bike at altitude. So that was also, you know, a huge, yeah learning curve. Um, so I feel like that's just sort of been the story of my season so far is like every race being like, all right, let's see what we learn and kind of finish it and go, man, I want to do that again next year and see,
0: you know, see what I can do. Are you well, going to do like the we have somebody that's applying for the lifetime grand I prix want to.
2: <laughs> next year?
0: <laughs>
2: Working on awesome. my mountain bike skills.
1: <laughs> yeah. Work on your mountain bike skills, but really you only need them. Uh, maybe Schwab again. Like Leadville is barely a mountain bike course.
0: That's so. what everyone
1: says. Yeah. Um.
0: Unfortunately, you have somebody that's really good at mountain biking right in your area. <laughs> I
1: do. Yes, yeah. you do. No, like, go- I'll be you finally say- going back
0: <laughs> if you teach can we finally me finally go on that mountain
1: bike ride. I'll try to <laughs> keep <Leah> going. Say- <laughs> I won't take any more of your QOMs. I'll give you a two-year hiatus on your QOMs if you'll work with me on my mountain bike skills. I
2: was going to say, maybe that's how I get her attention is try to get her mountain bike segments oh, to myself. Yeah. For
0: yeah, that's awesome. All of a sudden you see her chasing you down. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> on the course, that would be amazing. <laughs> Have you lot of trying to to do the uh the elite route where you do the sponsorship route or are you still enjoying working or
2: um I think this this season has made me think you know how could I change what I'm doing to be able to ride more train better sleep better I would say right now I'm trying to find that balance with everything I don't think I'm currently succeeding <laughs> at that um so definitely looking to figure out for next season, what's, how can I shift things, whether that's reducing hours at work or, um, finding sponsorship that would allow me more flexibility at work or cover more travel costs, um, and see how can I kind of change that equation to find a better, a better
0: balance. Yeah, that makes sense. People don't think about how much sleep plays into an athlete's world. And then Mm -hmm. when you're working full-time, that's probably one of the things you have to give up the most.
2: (laughs) I would say I very much fit that bill. I I think I like many, you know, a lot of us endurance athletes love the training. That's why we do it. We love being outside and doing the training. And so even when I know I'd probably be better off sleeping, like my heart wants Mm -hmm. to be outside and be on my bike. And I definitely sacrifice sleep more than more than I
0: should. Yeah. Do, do you know Sarah True? She's she's a New Englander. So. Yeah, she
2: lives um like 10 miles from where I do.
0: <laughs> so amazing. I love this. I, I'm telling you, it's all just like one little I, in my mind, those all those states are like 30 miles. Um but <laughs> she you know she's training for Kona and I was listening to her. She does one of our podcasts. So she's she has this um she's getting her PhD and she has an internship in the hospital right now, and she's like I was so tired one day. I just went into one of the offices and I was just going to read, but I fell asleep on somebody's office floor. (laughs) She's like, I just did an internship and I fell asleep on somebody's office floor. But just happens when you're that deep into
2: training. Oh yeah. The number of times that I like yawn behind my mask uh, at work. I'm like, thank God. I still have a mask on right now.
1: (laughs)
0: Um, but yeah, the, the sleep piece is, is hard.
1: Do you, what's, what else do you have coming up this season for your racing? Um, so I'm going to do big sugar. Oh, good.
2: And it's that's, good see you there. uh, yeah, I'll look for another finish line hug. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, that's the only thing I have on my calendar and then maybe a couple cycle cross races. Cause I feel like those are oh, some fun. skills I need to work on. So. You know, I think I also I don't um I don't work with a, a coach, so that's something I'm also looking for next season. Um, I've been kind of trying to figure this all out as I go and I've noticed sort of reflecting on the season that I keep practicing the things that I'm already good at because I find them the most fun. So like long hilly rides are my favorite thing to do. So that's what I keep doing. I'm like, if I worked with a coach, they'd probably have me do like the high intensity and technical stuff that are not my strengths. So I'm trying to get myself to do some more stuff like cycle cross and yeah. kind of work on, um, those things that are more of my weaknesses.
0: So maybe some cycle cross racing in my future. I love it. That makes sense. It'd be helpful than mountain biking over the winter you will be set. Well, I guess you can't really do that out there because it's snowing. <laughs> no,
2: I actually really like um cross country skiing. So that's sort of my winter winter activity. Um, and then also like the backcountry touring where you yeah. skin up and ski down.
0: Yeah, so I think that's how Heather Jackson keeps up a lot of her winter fitness is the cross country mm-hmm. skiing. So it definitely works. Yeah. And I think kind of the the mental break from it is good.
2: Too to be like really excited and pumped to get on your bike come springtime mm-hmm.
0: yeah absolutely it does make a big difference well, well well it's been really fun getting to know you a little bit and hearing more of your story um yeah and i'm pretty excited to see what's gonna happen next season for you i, think <laughs> I am too i mean i <laughs> mean, like, me too you don't have a coach you're not sponsored <laughs> there's yeah, like I think you just have a, a massive you, you're you doing already very well and you have a massive runway to to even go further so
2: yeah I'm excited to kind of see if I can find a, a better a better balance with things change up my training mm-hmm. and see what happens like I said I think this has been such a learning curve this season and I feel so excited to say like okay I learned this from this race like what can I do what can I do next um so yeah it'll be fun well, if people want to follow you, where can they find you? Um, so I'm on Instagram. It's at Sarah W. Lang. Um, and then they should also follow the Blue chew Explorer team because we post some fun stuff too. Yes. Awesome.
1: Well, well thank you time. so much, Sarah. Yeah. Thank you guys. You have
0: been listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast.